0: Chapter Seventy Four of Varney the Vampire, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nick Number. Varney the Vampire by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter Seventy Four The Meeting of Charles and Flora. Charles Holland followed Jack Pringle for some time in silence from Bannerworth Hall. His mind was too full of thought concerning the past to allow him to indulge in much of that kind of conversation in which Jack Pringle might be fully considered to be a proficient. As for Jack, somehow or another he had felt his dignity offended in the garden of Bannerworth Hall, and he had made up his mind, as he afterwards stated in his own phraseology, not to speak to nobody till somebody spoke to him. A growing anxiety, however, to ascertain from one who had seen her lately how Flora had borne his absence at length induced Charles Holland to break his self-imposed silence. "'Jack,' he said, "'you have had the happiness of seeing her lately. Tell me, does Flora Bannerworth look as she was wont to look, or have all the roses faded from her cheeks?' "'Why, as for the roses,' said Jack, "'I'm blowed if I can tell, and seeing as how she don't look at me much, I doesn't know nothing about her. I can tell you something, though, about the old Admiral that will make you open your eyes.' indeed jack and what may that be why he's took to drink and gets groggy about every day of his life and the most singular thing is that when that's the case with the old man he says it's me indeed jack taken to drinking as my poor old uncle from grief i suppose jack at my disappearance no i don't think it's grief said jack it strikes me it's rum and water alas alas i could never have imagined he could have fallen into that habit of yours he always seemed so far from anything of this kind "'Aye, aye, sir,' said Jack. "'I knowed you'd be astonished. "'It will be the death of him, that's my opinion, "'and the idea, you know, Master Charles, "'of accusing me when he gets drunk himself.' "'I believe that is a common delusion of intemperate persons,' said Charles. "'It is, sir. "'Well, it's a very awkward thing, because you know, sir, "'as well as most people, that I'm not the fellow to take a drop too much. "'I cannot say, Jack, that I know so much, "'for I have certainly heard my uncle accuse you of intoxication.' "'Lor, sir, that was all just on account of his trying it hisself. "'He was a-thinking on it then, and wanted to see how I'd take it. "'But tell me of Flora. "'Are you quite certain that she has had no more alarms from Varney?' "'What, that ere vampire fellow? "'Not a bit of it, your honour. "'Lord bless you, he must have found out by some means or another "'that I was on the lookout, and that did the business.' He'll never come near Miss Flora again, I'll be bound, though to be sure we moved away from the hall on account of him, but not that I saw the good of cruising out of one's own latitude, but somehow or another you see the doctor and the admiral got it into their heads to establish a sort of blockade, and the idea of the thing was to sail away in the night quite quiet, and after that take up a position that would come across the enemy on the larboard tack, if so be as he made his appearance. Oh, you allude to watching the hall, I presume? Aye, aye, sir, just so but would you believe it, Master Charlie? The Admiral and the Doctor got so blessed drunk that I could do nothing with them. Indeed? Yes, they did indeed, and made all kinds of queer mistakes, so that the end of all that was that the vampire did come, but he got away again. He did come, then. Sir Francis Varney came again after the house was presumed to be deserted. He did, sir. That is very strange. What on earth could have been his object? This affair is most inexplicably mysterious. I hope the distance, Jack is not far that you're taking me for I'm incapable of enduring much fatigue, Not a great way, Your honour. keep two points to the westward and sail straight on. We'll soon come to port. My eye won't there be a squall when you get in. I expect as Miss Flora will drop down as dead as a herring for she doesn't think you're above the hatches. A good thought, Jack. My sudden appearance may produce alarm when we reach the place of a bow to the Bannerworths. You shall precede me and prepare them in some measure for my reception. Very good, sir. Do you see that there little white cottage ahead, there in the offing? Yes, yes. Is that the place? Yes, Your Honor, that's the port to which we are bound. Well then, Jack, you hasten ahead and see Miss Flora, and be sure you prepare her gently and by degrees. You know, Jack, for my appearance, so that she shall not be alarmed. Aye, aye, sir, I understand. You wait here and I'll go and do it. There would be a squall if you were to make your appearance, sir, all at once. She looks upon you as safely lodged in Davy's locker." she minds me all the world of a girl i knew at portsmouth called bet bumplush she was one of your delicate little creatures as don't live long in this here world no blow me when i came home from an eighteen months cruise once i seed her drinking rum out of a quart pot so i says helloa what cheer and only to think now of the wonderful effect that there had upon her with that very pot she gives the fellow as was standing treat and knob her on the head as lasted him three weeks she was too good for this here world she was and too romantic "'Go to blazes,' she says to him. "'Here's Jack Pringle come home.' "'Very romantic, indeed,' said Charles. "'Yes, I believe you, sir, and that puts me in mind of Miss Flora and you. "'An extremely flattering comparison. "'Of course I feel much obliged.' "'Oh, don't name it, sir. "'The British Taurus can't oblige a feller creeter "'is unworthy to tread the quarter-deck "'or to bear a hand to the distress of a woman.' "'Very well,' said Charles. Now, as we are here, precede me if you please, and let me beg of you to be especially cautious in your manner of announcing me. Aye aye, sir, said Jack, and away he walked towards the cottage, leaving Charles some distance behind. Flora and the admiral were sitting together conversing. The old man who loved her as if she had been a child of his own, was endeavoring, to the extent of his ability, to assuage the anguish of her thoughts, which at that moment chanced to be bent upon Charles Holland. Never mind, my dear, he said, He'll turn up some of these days, and when he does I shan't forget to tell him that it was you who stood out for his honesty and truth when everyone else was against him, including myself, an old wretch that I was. Oh, sir, how could you for one moment believe that those letters could have been written by your nephew Charles? They carried, sir, upon the face of them their own refutation, and I'm only surprised that for one instant you or anyone who knew him could have believed him capable of writing them. "'Avast there,' said the Admiral. "'That'll do. "'I own you got the better of the old sailor there. "'I think you and Jack Pringle were the only two persons who stood out from the first. "'Then I honor Jack for doing so.' "'And here he is,' said the Admiral. "'And you'd better tell him, the mutinous rascal. "'He wants all the honor he can get as a set-off against his drunkenness and other bad habits.' Jack walked into the room, looked about him in silence for a moment, thrust his hands in his breeches' pockets, and gave a long whistle. "'What's the matter now?' said the Admiral. "'Damn me if Charles Holland ain't outside, "'and I've come to prepare you for the blessed shock,' said Jack. "'Don't faint, either of you, "'because I'm only going to let you know it by degrees, you know.' A shriek burst from Flora's lips, and she sprung to the door of the apartment. "'What?' cried the Admiral. "'My nephew? My nephew Charles? "'Jack, you rascal, if you're joking, "'it's the last joke you shall make in this world. "'And if it's true, I... I... I'm an old fool, that's all.' Aye, aye, sir, said Jack. Didn't you know that afore? Charles, Charles, cried Flora. He heard the voice. Her name escaped his lips and rang with a pleasant echo through the house. In another moment he was in the room and had clasped her to his breast. My own, my beautiful, my true. Charles, dear Charles. Oh, Flora, what have I not endured since we last met? But this repays me, more than repays me for all. "'What is the past now?' cried Flora. "'What are all its miseries placed against this happy, happy moment?' "'Damn me. Nobody thinks of me,' said the Admiral. "'My dear uncle,' said Charles, looking over Flora's shoulder as he still held her in his arms, "'is that you?' "'Yes, yes, Swab, it is me, and you know it. "'But give us your five, you mutinous vagabond, "'and I tell you what, I'll do you the greatest favor I've had an opportunity of doing you some time. "'I'll leave you alone, you dog. "'Come along, Jack.' "'Aye, aye, sir,' said Jack, and away they went out of the apartment. "'And now those two loving hearts were alone. "'They who had been so long separated by malignant destiny once again were heart to heart, "'looking into each other's faces with all the beaming tenderness of an affection of the truest, holiest character. "'The Admiral had done a favor to them both to leave them alone, "'although we much doubt whether his presence or the presence of the whole world "'would have had the effect of controlling one generous sentiment of noble feeling.' They would have forgotten everything but that they were together, and that once again each looked into the other's eyes with all the tenderness of a love purer and higher than ordinarily belongs to mortal affections. Language was weak to give utterance to the full gust of happy feelings that now were theirs. It was ecstasy enough to feel, to know that the evil fortune which had so long separated them, depriving each existence of its sunniest aspect, was over. It was enough for Charles Holland to feel that she loved him still it was enough for flora bannerworth to know as she looked into his beaming countenance that that love was not misplaced but was met by feelings such as she herself would have dictated to be the inhabitants of the heart of him whom she would have chosen from the mass of mankind as her own flora dear flora said charles and you have never doubted me i've never doubted charles heaven or you to doubt one would have been to doubt both "'Generous and best of girls, what must you have thought of my enforced absence? "'Oh, Flora, I was unjust enough to your truth to make my greatest pang the thought "'that you might doubt me and cast me from your heart forever. "'Ah, Charles, you ought to have known me better. "'I stood amid sore temptation to do so much. "'There were those who would have urged me on to think that you would cast me from your heart forever. "'There were those ready and willing to place the worst construction upon your conduct, "'and with a devilish ingenuity to strive to make me participate in such a feeling.' But no, Charles, no. I loved you, and I trusted you, and I could not so far belie my own judgment as to tell you other than what you always seemed to my young fancy. And you are right, my Flora, right. And is it not a glorious triumph to see that love, that sentiment of passion, has enabled you to have so enduring and so noble a confidence in aught human? Aye, Charles, it is a sentiment of passion, for our love has been more a sentiment than a passion. I would fain think that we had loved each other with an affection not usually known, appreciated, or understood, and so, in the vanity of my best affections, I would strive to think them something exclusive and beyond the common feelings of humanity. And you are right, my Flora. Such love as yours is the exception. There may be preferences, there may be passions, and there may be sentiments, but never, never, surely, was there a heart like yours. Nay, Charles, now you speak from a too poetical fancy— BUT IS IT POSSIBLE THAT I HAVE HAD YOU HERE SO LONG WITH YOUR HAND CLASPED IN MINE AND ASKED YOU NOT THE CAUSES OF YOUR ABSENCE? OH, FLORA, I HAVE SUFFERED MUCH, MUCH PHYSICALLY, BUT MORE MENTALLY. IT WAS THE THOUGHT OF YOU THAT WAS AT ONCE THE BANE AND THE ANTIDOTE OF MY EXISTENCE. INDEED, CHARLES, DID I PRESENT MYSELF IN SUCH CONTRADICTORY COLORS TO YOU? "'Yes, dearest, as thus. When I thought of you, sometimes, in the deep seclusion of a dungeon, that thought almost goaded me to madness, because it brought with it the conviction, a conviction peculiar to a lover, that none could so effectually stand between you and all evil as myself. Yes, yes, Charles, most true. It seemed to me as if all the world in arms could not have protected you so well as this one heart, clad in the triple steel of its affections, could have shielded you from evil.' "'Aye, Charles, and then I was the bane of your existence because I filled you with apprehension? "'For a time, dearest, and then came the antidote, for when exhausted alike in mind and body, when lying helpless with chains upon my limbs, when expecting death at every visit of those who had dragged me from light and from liberty and from love, it was but the thought of thy beauty and thy affection that nerved me and gave me a hope even amidst the cruelest disasters. "'And then, and then, Charles?' "'You are my blessing.' as you have ever been, as you are, and as you will ever be, my own Flora, my beautiful, my true. We won't go so far as to say it is the fact, but from a series of singular sounds which reached even to the passage of the cottage, we have our own private opinion to the effect that Charles began kissing Flora at the top of her forehead and never stopped, somehow or another, till he got down to her chin. No, not her chin, her sweet lips. He could not get past them. Perhaps it was wrong, but we can't help it. We are faithful chroniclers. Reader, if you be of the sterner sex, what would you have done? If of the gentler, what would you have permitted? End of chapter seventy four. Recording by Nick Number.